Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, supported by Lacole here with the indomitable Benji Narsen. He's got Aaron Baru over his right shoulder. Would it be a stage for Aaron Baru today? Not lying to you today, and I didn't yesterday. Today, I actually watched the stage, so... You can take my insights <laughs> a bit more seriously. Today's stage, a, a difficult one. And I, I really like the design. It reminds me of some welter stages, 171Ks, rolling course. We have in the last 80 kilometers, four climbs, and there's long 20-kilometer valleys, 20, 15K valleys between those short climbs, 2K, 7%, 2K, 6%, 3K, 6%. The last one, the Côte de Montrebu, 1,400 meters, 11%, short ridge line and narrow descent and it's a narrow climb like we're talking one lane again i'm in europe now but i just don't understand how it's even legal to have two cars on those roads and then it's a false flat descent on a wider highway sort of road to the finish and big contenders for the day Colbrelli was the favorite and then aaron baru sort of riders as well valverde were all hanging around sort of 10 to 1 but Colbrelli was the big favorite particularly after how he's been going Big thanks to our show partner, Lacole. Lacole, if you haven't heard of them by now, if you're just tuning in, you only watch French races and you listen to the Dauphiné podcast, Lacole produced performance cycling apparel. They have proven for speed. They have the Lacole McLaren Project Aero collaboration that went live last month. I'd encourage you to go and check that out. They have a speed suit included in that as well. And let us know down below what sort of Lacole bundle would you like to see for the Tour de France Velo Games prize? We obviously had that for the Giro d'Italia. Somehow I didn't take out the prize. I mean, kind of a conspiracy against me. But yeah, let us know which Lacole kit you'd like to see as the Tour de France prize in the comments down below or on Twitter, hashtag LRCP. Breakaway went Benji that's almost got me lost for words. I thought the break would win. This break was almost too strong to be allowed to win. Yeah, and I think that's the exact problem. I think the breakaway started out with two riders from the Koenig, Czerny, but also Osgren, a rider that's on, I think, nine seconds in GC before the stage starts. Yeah. So that's going to be troublesome to try and get a gap that is, yeah, that is pretty high because the peloton's going to be like, ah, if we give this guy three minutes, well, it's going to become troublesome if we don't catch him by at least 40K to go because if he takes those 10 seconds, he's got the jersey. Then next to that, we've got another team that had uh, big plans in the break today. Steven in the breakaway, but also two teammates, Ryan Mullen and Julien Bernard, and then two lone Rangers, Girmay and also Gauthier. So very strong breakaway. The fact with these kind of breakaways is you've got Czerny that can ride for Dalsgren, you've got Bernard and Mullen who can ride for Steven. There's also Tim Mullins in that breakaway, so yeah, they can definitely ride. But trouble there is, again, Asgren, he's trying something today, but he's basically the person in the breakaway that's neutralizing it from the inside by being in the breakaway. And I think that that became a problem at a certain point because I think it was with 
50k to go on the third last climb that we saw split up in the front group and that was Trini and Mullen attacking. And at first I was like, okay, are they now attacking each other? Because one would say that it would be much better if those two teams kept working together to have their two leaders fight it out with Wellens, Gurmaya and Gauthier on the final climb then trying to get away right here because they're reducing the impact that this breakaway can have. And with a gap like one minute, it's likely going to uh, be a, well, a sad ending for the breakaway. But then you made a nice point while we were watching the race and you brought the point forward that Osgren being in the breakaway must have been so much trouble that maybe they split it up because of that. Yeah, I thought Quickstep made the decision of like, we're being held at one minute, one minute 30 all day, and the reason is Casper's in this break. And what we're going to do is we're going to let Cherney, a complete non GC threat, go. And maybe that will then have the desired outcome, which we've seen, where Ineos go to the front and let Cherney take three minutes. Cherney's a strong guy. Maybe he can go with who's the Trek rider? He went with Trek rider as well. Mullen. Mullen, exactly. Another non threat GC at all. And I think that's what they were hoping would happen. And I'm surprised, first of all, that Askren went in the break. Same with Wellens. I thought they would have been hoping headwind on the final climb. Benji was toning my expectations yesterday, tempering them about GC action on that climb, saying, you know, come on, it's there's not going to be fireworks. Benji ended up being 100% right on that. And if I'm Askren and Wellens, I'll be looking at, hoping that would happen, sit in the group. Wellens could attack over the crest, not a GC mm-hmm. threat. Ineos will let him take 30. Askren for the final sprint. But they kind of cooked themselves beforehand. So somewhat surprising. But yeah, Cherney goes, but he's brought back. And I'm not sure... Whether he was just cooked Benji or whether he was... I think it's tough in those valleys. It's like exposed grass farmland with no protection. It looked a little bit windy. Like West Flanders. <laughs> yeah, like West Flanders, which i got to go to um, eventually. Benji's been going to be at me to go there. But anyway, quick... Oh, not quick step. Ineos tried something, Benji. They went for the classic Kwiatkowski Stage 7 echelon split move and... I guess the wind wasn't strong enough. What do you think? You think they would definitely had a plan to get G... Thomas back some time today after yesterday's disappointment? Well, I don't think it's a pre-planned thing. I think that they perhaps knew that the wind there could be in the right decision and then accordingly acted during the stage if they noticed that it was actually an area where echelons could form. But it doesn't seem like the area was long enough or that the wind was strong enough to split up the peloton. So despite that being a cool move, it didn't really go anywhere. But we do appreciate it every time because echelons do make races a lot more fun. But after that, I just felt like there wasn't too much to it because we had the last climb basically ahead of us. The breakaway was basically caught. And the last climb is that steep one you mentioned in the profile thing at the start of this podcast. And teams were in decent positions. Like we saw that of old Verde was moving up to the right front of the peloton. And I was thinking perhaps he could try it, but... Like you mentioned already, nothing did end up happening on that climb, except for one attack. Lawson Craddock ended up attacking there. And it's kind of surprising, but I don't know. It feels like he's a lot more sad to watch when he doesn't have a duck helmet on because I can't make the pun anymore, which is he won with it. devastating. Yeah, definitely. Pock, Pock, you're fucking over Lawson Craddock. If he's got a duck painted on that helmet, he wins today's <laughs> World Tour stage. So I guess you hate your riders because you don't want to give them the correct paint job. 
Um, <laughs> I thought looking at that this final climb, very disappointed in Movistar. You know, I said it in my highlight video yesterday. I said it to Benji. Um, and I don't know why I keep doing it. I keep saying this is what they should do, and I'm correct. I mean, I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I'm not <laughs> wrong. Like, if they go, this climb is narrow. Like, no one could move up. Kranich was one of the only guys that could move up. He nearly went into the, the, the grass trying to move up. Th- they got the team, Arkas, Rojas, Erviti. I don't – okay, Verona, I, I'm not saying blow up the climb with Miguel Angel Lopez and uh, Mas. If you want to protect one GC, that's your right. That's your cut target, whatever. I accept it. There's no excuse for not having those guys put Valverde into a good position at the base of the climb and at least pacing with Verona early. And Ineos, they, they do exactly that. Ineos have their men straight up, and it's so narrow that if you start at the front, you've got more wiggle room, you're doing the climb slower, you can set the pace. Ineos had the pace with Dylan Van Baal. And, yeah, just we, why were you not expecting big GC fireworks today, Benji, on this final climb? Well, I think it's a combination of the teams that have not shown the ambition to go for stages and are more protective about their teams. And also the fact that a lot of these teams have multiple leaders and because of that, don't necessarily have the people to do it or want to use the people to do it. I think that you're completely right that Movistar is the one team that definitely has the riders to do it. I think that Astana could have done more today as well. I think the problem with Astana is that Izaguirre and... Yeah. And uh, Lutsenko are now up there in GC. Aramburu could go for the sprint. Oscar Rodriguez is basically the only one you have left at this point. So that's the problem with Astana right now is that they've got two GC leaders instead of perhaps the planned one. And they still have Aramburu who could do really well on the stage. But I don't know. I think that Movistar could indeed have done something. Am I blaming them for not doing it? For the entertainment, perhaps? Valverde looked good, for right? trying, I guess. But... I think that Colbrelli was displaying that he was going to get over this climb. And I yeah. I, I didn't think at any point he was going to get dropped. And if you're Valverde, you're not going to beat Colbrelli in the sprint. Sorry, yeah, I don't see it happening. happening. No. And that's why I'm thinking like, okay, perhaps the... Yeah, but then again, aren't you going to try and put the pressure to drop Colbrelli on the climb? Because he didn't get in trouble because nobody tried. That's, that's what I mean. That's what I was expecting yeah. teams to do. That's what I even Astana. But the problem is, as you said... And Bahrain were caught in this trap, but they've they've broken free of this trap. They've got Hagen turns there for sort of GC, and you've got Colbrelli, and the, these uh, there's a tension between those two, and that tension is screwing over a lot of teams being able to win stages, but not with Bahrain. Bahrain decided we will sacrifice Hagen turns to go for the Colbrelli stage win opportunity. And I think that I was expecting, even if without GC action, I was expecting attacks from, say, Avingagor, McNulty, because... If a group of three or four, like in that fast country stage, that is a gear A1 Benji in the group of five with Bookman, Big Nulti, Wingergaard, if a group like that goes over the top, gets a 20-second lead, very difficult to bring back. And Kranich was extremely difficult to bring back. He cooked Haig and Turns. They were both chasing Haig initially over the top, was controlling, trying to keep it all together for Colbrelli. 13Ks downhill to the finish. And you basically got Kranich not... You know, he's good on the flat. I think he's, he's a strong time trialist, actually, Craddock, good at world championships often. And, yeah, he's got basically head-to-head against Haig. Turns comes up. Turns starts pulling for Bahrain. Colbrelli's gone down to $1.70, $1.60 in the live markets. And then but it's still Craddock, 3Ks. He's still out there. Turns has pulled off, and Haig has to close the last section. 
Then it's Ineos. The Ineos Grenadiers come forward again, not setting up Kwiatkowski for a sprint. And we've got a series of roundabouts coming up. And we were thinking, I was thinking the whole time, Haig is vulnerable here because he's been chasing downhill for 13 kilometers. We have a big group. They've all bunched up. Perstelberger, Aaron Baru are there. And what did you see from the Ineos Grenadiers, Benji, in this final sort of two kilometers? It was pretty textbook from them. Yeah, I think we're three kilometers to go. I was still thinking perhaps they're just keeping their rider at the front. They're trying to keep in these roundabouts, these dangerous roundabouts. They're trying to keep Thomas safe. They're trying to keep Bort safe. And that's why they're at the front. But looks like they had a bit of a, not necessarily a plan, I think, but they did want to try something when they noticed things at the end. And I think that it all came around to one hairpin corner. Was it with 800 meters to go, 900 meters to go, just going into the final kilometer where Ineos was basically at the front of the peloton and Bahrain was not at the front of the peloton. And they go into that corner. I think that Thomas decides to go just after the hairpin corner and the Ineos rider behind him decides to just kind of not necessarily block everybody, but slow down the pace. And there was not imminently a response from Bahrain. It took a bit for that Bahrain rider, was it Haig again, to get to the front and start pacing again. And Thomas had, what did he have, 10 meters, 20 meters? Yeah, he just kept extending it. I mean, I'm looking, I made an Instagram video about it, just this last kilometer. And and Thomas is saying it's not planned, but it looks so planned as you look back at it. Under the Flamme Rouge, Kwiatkowski is looking for Thomas. He's on the mm-hmm. right side of the road. He swings to the left. Thomas is able to move up positions before the hairpin, as Benji said. And it seems to me that that looks like Kwiatkowski knows what's about to happen. And, yeah, I think it just right. Hay got Hay got shut off in the hairpin, I think, because he was caught behind the Ineos team. And Ineos, mm-hmm. they're blocking because they got all those numbers at the front. And it's... Then you basically got a situation where you've got Haig. You, you know, you've got a huge group behind. You've got Haig who's been chasing for 13Ks against Thomas, who's still got really good, you know, seeded power for over a kilometre, dialing it back like he's in, you know, the track team in 2011. And it's him against Haig head-to-head. He keeps going. You've got a huge gap, 50 metres, 60 metres, 70 metres. He's almost out of sight of the peloton. And then get into the final 300 metres, and he's dying, it looks like. And Cold Borelli jumps from the back, and he's closing so quickly. I mean, Thomas had a lead of like 50, 60 metres with 150 metres to go. Colbrelli snap, jumps across it. He gets into Thomas' slipstream. They go to the line together, photo finish. It looks like Thomas is almost posted up too early. He ends up winning by about oh, half a, a, a wheel width, a wheel length. The thing is, is an optical illusion because Colbrelli was coming so quickly that he he's like shoots past Thomas and it looks you know, like he's won and Thomas has stuffed it. But Vintage from Thomas, excellent execution from Ineos. Did Colbrelli make a mistake, Benji? Did he? Should he have snapped onto Thomas' wheel when he goes? Because I think he could have, to be honest. And maybe that's what Caleb Ewan, sort of what Caleb Ewan did, right? He closed it early himself in the Giro. He probably could have, and I think it's an on-point decision to do so. Um, I also don't really blame him for not doing it. I think that it's a very difficult decision with 800 meters to go to say, oh, I'm going to try and go onto the wheel of someone that's making a move. Yeah. I think that it's very ballsy to do that if you're called rally, because then you're playing with your own chances. If Anambur is in your wheel, then uh, it might get troublesome in the end. But he waited, and it seems like he waited just a tiny bit too long. And you're thinking about it afterwards. What if he went 
five meters earlier, then he would have <laughs> he won this won. race. <laughs> he still but, won. But I think that's very hard to say. I think that he perhaps didn't trust the sprint from Stad for it out of obviously. So he yeah. had to wait until the moment where he feels like, okay, I need to go now. The person in front of me is done. I need to make the move myself. And the gap is still manageable, so I'm going to try and catch it. But this was basic vintage Thomas, like you mentioned. I remember yeah. the good old days in his uh, British NC jersey where he was leading out people. That's the kind of uh, stuff Becker. that... Yeah, that's the kind of stuff it reminds me of personally. But really cool to see, and it spiced up the final. It could just as well have been a sprint between Colbrelli and the rest, and just spice it up a bit. It's a, a bit of an upset in the sprint, and I enjoy such moments, to be honest. But let's let's talk about the man himself. I often joke about Aramburu, but he's actually <laughs> generally getting better, and his sprint you- is getting better. Benji's got to be on the, the payroll of his agent. Is he out of contract? You're hijacking the LRCP to create a hype train to increase his contract value. This is, I'm, I'm not getting any money. Out. I'm not getting paid shit for this. Yeah, sorry, go on. You're saying he's looking better, yeah. of course. Yeah, uh, he's actually getting rumored to go to Movistar next season, so oh, I'm not, not entirely happy about that. But <laughs> but anyway, I feel like this guy has got ninth in stage one, ninth in stage two, second in stage three and third in stage five and he crashed yesterday in the time trial in the second part he crashed i think again today i'm not sure it was him for astana that crashed but um i thought before he was more the the punchy guy while his sprint was decent but not on the level to to beat decent sprinters but now he's actually like getting closely beaten by colbrelli in these sprints then again the people he's beating is Barbaro and Valgren, so I guess I'm a bit overhyped on this today. But I still think that he's getting better and better, and I no, enjoy he... that. Cobrelli, yeah. yeah, simply the best sprinter that is left over climbs in this race by far. So he's on paper unbeatable on this terrain. I'll do the top 10, and then I'm going to throw out a, a thought bubble that actually just shook me when I thought of it. Thomas first, same time as Cobrelli, Aaron Baru, Barbero fourth. Bert Schmidt, fifth, Valgren, Conrad, Valverde, Sweeney, nice ninth. I think he was even attacking early in the stage. Harry Sweeney for Lotto Sudal. Will he be in the highlight back? Hopefully. I mean, ASO, I mean, I'm paying them all this money. The least they can do is put in the young Australian two days in a row. And Bonnemore, <laughs> 10th. Sepkus, 12th. And Pache, I think, had attacked. Benji, think about this. If Bahrain Victorious had brought, say, instead of Padun or Kapeki, if they brought Moharich or another rider like that. Arashiro. Yeah, for example, Colbrelli would have four Dauphiné stage wins out of five stages. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Like, Trotnik, for example, but yes. obviously yeah. he came from the Giro, so that's a bit impossible to do two races on the same day. <laughs> but still, I think that type of rider would be very uh, very helpful here. He would be able to get over the climbs. He would be able to help. Hausler. What's, where's Hausler? He's, he's training for Roubaix, mate. He's going to win. But seriously, <laughs> like my, the, the point, you know, he's, he's doing the Tour of Slovenia. I feel like they're putting, they're putting a lot of pressure on Hagen Turns to do something that's not like yeah. their actual role. Like the Hagen Turns are coming here probably for their own GC. This is not the guys they are. And then they're like, we want you to set up Sonny four days in a row. I feel like Hausler and, uh, yeah, Fred Wright. Other riders yeah. would have been better to pair with Cold Braley. But yeah, what's your I think, thoughts uh, on it? I think I agree, but I think that they've got this preset plan 
at Bahrain to use Bauhaus with Hausler and Fred Wright throughout the season. And yeah. that's been happening the entire season so far. So perhaps that's like one, we call this a clique in Belgium, like one group of people within the team that are doing the same kind of schedule. And um, I think that's what they're doing. And I think that's why they're not pulling those apart. Um, I wonder, do we still have like bubbles in teams COVID-wise? Uh, that's a good point. I don't know. Do like, well, UAE are all vaccinated, so do they even have to do that stuff? I'm not sure, to be honest. No uh, but here's a GC movement. Still, Perstelberger one second ahead of Lutschenko. I actually thought Perstelberger might have attacked late too if he had legs. Tom, the only real move is Thomas moving up uh, ahead of Port and Van Wilder. I was kind of hoping, you know, Richie would block off Thomas' move in the last 800 meters. You know, close the door on him, but he didn't. Now Thomas is back ahead of him on GC, 14 seconds or 13 seconds behind Lutschenko. So. Normal services resume. Thomas has pretty much made up all the time he lost yesterday in the TG. Same time now as Kelderman. Uh, so trouble for the other GC contenders. Tomorrow's stage should be GC action. 167Ks long and pretty flat for the first 100 kilometers. Then we got 5K, 6.5% descent. Then the colder port, 7.7K, 6.5% descent. And then straight into uh, the Cotava. The name is blocked for me. Cote de la, la Fret. I'm, fret, I'm fretting over the, the name of this. They broke Cote it into. La well, they've broken they've broken in on the the profile into two separate clients, but to me it just looks like six point seven k's at five point eight percent, with a little false flat section in the middle, and then it looks like it flattens off in the last k or so. I'm just looking at the profile. Yeah, it looks like almost false flat, three four percent uphill in the finish. I'll tell you who should be a big favourite for tomorrow's stage again, Benji, is uh, Geraint Thomas. But I want to ask you, can Aaron no. Baru win this? You, you're talking about him. Is this too hard for him? Uh, I think that the action on Cold Port will be too hard. And I think that while the Cold Port is called Cold Port, I don't think Port is going to win the stage. I, um, I'm more looking towards Lutsenko. And the reason is that if Lutsenko is on his day, then he can get over that climb in the first group. We saw it oh, in UAE yeah, yeah, last sure. year. We saw it in Oman a few years ago. We saw it in plenty of races at certain points in this guy's career. I think that my predicted bronze medal for the upcoming Tokyo Olympics will be winning the stage. And um, that is Lutsenko. Valverde. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're going with Lutsenko for the stage from an yeah. attack or from like a big group at the finish? Following I think- and then beating people in the group. I think it's going to be a big group in the finish. I don't like Lushenko's race savvy in the final 500 meters. No, so that's he's true. Probably going, to, he's probably going to embarrass me now. What about Asgren, Benji? Too hard for him? Yeah, I, I thought so yesterday as well. I think that this on paper seems like a doable parkour for Asgren. It depends on whether he can hold on on the climb, but I'd expect him to be relatively able to do so. And if he can stay there, then it could generally work out. And I can't tell you if he's going to win, but. 5% are not the percentages where I see Osgreen necessarily dropping. So, indeed, Aramburu, you mentioned me, uh, well, you tried to talk me into saying <laughs> Aramburu again. I'd love to, but ah, this is going to be a harder one, I think. I think that while I do trust this climbing, I don't think it's good enough, perhaps, to follow if an Inyo strain goes mad on Gold Board. But then again, will they? Like, they should. I don't think so. Or are they going to wait for La Plania? Because that I fits wouldn't. much better. 
if I'm Ineos, I control this. I want a group sprint at the end, and I lead out Thomas with Kwiatkowski, and he's going to take bonus seconds. I think that would be my plan with Ineos. I wouldn't go crazy at all on the colder port. I'd keep it all together, and then this final suits Thomas if he has the same legs as today. Uh, I think if Valverde doesn't come top, if the group, if, if the break doesn't win, if Valverde doesn't come top three in tomorrow's stage, then I don't know what to say really. <laughs> like yeah. it, the finish suits him perfectly. You, one would think Colbrelli and Aaron Baru and Barbero will be dropped. Uh, that's got to be an option for him. From the break, I want to see Ben Hardemans. He is currently 17th on GC. So he's, oh, where's that? Yeah, he, he's at 52 seconds. And it's like Hardemans is not coming top five in GC here. And he's denying him an opp- himself an opportunity for the stage win tomorrow. I'm going to change. Oh, no. <laughs> Aurelien Parepente. He's like top 15 in GC now. He had that sprint in Marseille at the start of the season. And I think that he can get over the climb with some of the best climbers and try and win the stage accordingly. I think that might work out. But do you expect an attack from someone like Nairo in green on the Col de Port? Col de Port? I mean, no, 7K, 6.5%. He's got to go all, early. He can't wait for the last climb. But you can't, Benji. It's all flat before then. Yeah, like, you're right. It's you're 5K, 6.4%. Right. What are you going to do? Attack it? Attacking Kwiatkowski and, and all the Ineos riders and Gagan Hart, I mean, suicide. Like, you, you can't there unless you're on some next level, you know, legs, which I don't see. So out, yeah. It's, it, I just don't see it by the Ineos control on that cat too, to be honest. And uh, I don't know how technical the descent is off the back of it. Um, maybe someone can try something there. And I actually do think Aaron Brew and Co can make it over that climb. Um Maybe it's too long. It depends on the Ineos pace. Depends on. I hope the they wind. do. <laughs> I hope they do. Uh, but then they'll probably get dropped in the final as well. Uh, yeah, but a pretty interesting stage tomorrow. Hopefully, it could be a lot of control and a group mountain sprint at the end. And uh, I hope you enjoy- we hope you enjoyed this recap of stage five. The Dauphiné is certainly heating up. We've got some big stages coming up shortly. But until then, we'll see you tomorrow. Ciao.